We're going to read God's Word now from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. going to read from verse 1 through to verse 11. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, we've had people um, reading God's Word in their own native language. So you're going to hear Northern Irish this morning <laughs> from me. I'm going to read God's Word. It might not be as good as the last few weeks, but here we go. This is the Word of God, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1 through to verse 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and He distributes, uh, distributes them to each one just as He determines." And we thank God for his word to us and for us. A number of years ago, um, there was a, a pastor who took charge of a large church in the United States after spending almost a decade um, in a number of Eastern European cities. And there'd been a, a lot of changes in America since he had left. And um, now he was back in the United States. And there was a lot of changes, especially in the world of technology. Computers had been advancing greatly. And paging devices were popular in use at this time. Now, for some of you young people, like myself, you've probably never heard <laughs> of a paging device um, here's one on the screen. It's a little communication device that you could have very coolly clipped onto your, your belt, um, and it would have buzzed or given an audible signal or a little vibration um, to display a message that someone was sending through to you, maybe a summons to go to work or, or something like that. You carried the pager with you at all times. So this pastor got one of these. He was given a little paging device for his role as pastor of this church. Don't ever give me a paging device, by the way. <laughs> but he, he, he was wondering and he complained about why um, the paging device that he was asked to wear wasn't working. Um, and then his secretary gently pointed out that he was wearing his garage door opener. For the pastor, that also explained why his pager wasn't having much success opening his garage door at home. You see, that pastor had the tools, if you like. He just needed a little good information on how to use them well and properly. And in many ways, that's the aim of where we're at this morning as we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've been in this series, the third person. We've been thinking about 
the beautiful, wonderful Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how God has given us His Spirit who lives within us, the person of the Holy Spirit who empowers us. Dan led us last week as we thought about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, all these wonderful things that come when we live life in the Spirit, lives of joy and patience and goodness in the Lord that people will see. Well, this morning we're thinking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And as a church here, I want us to have at least at least a little bit more information than we had before. Perhaps just a little bit more of an informed heart. Perhaps a little bit more of a, an understanding of the gifts of the Spirit. And how to think about the gifts of the Spirit well. And how to use them properly as the people of God. I think it's important that we acknowledge straight away that, that the Christian life is supernatural. It's not just a natural life, it's a, it's a supernatural life. We live for a God who is above and beyond anything we could ever comprehend. Let's never forget that. And our supernatural God has given gifts to us, spiritual gifts to us as his children, to men and women, to young people. Yes, you young people, you're gifted by God. If you put your trust in Jesus, God has gifted you. He has given you, first of all, the gift of his spirit, and he wants you to use the gifts that he's given you to accomplish his plans and purposes here on earth. That's what it means to be a Christian. God has gifted us to love and to serve him, to give of ourselves to him, to see his kingdom presence and power at work in this world. Spiritual gifts are not the same as personality traits or natural abilities, skills, or, or hobbies. Of course, we know that as Christians, we ought to use our, our natural abilities, the way that God has gifted us, the skills that he's given us for his glory. But spiritual gifts are different. So what are they? What are spiritual gifts? Well, the word used in the Greek, there's a word that's used, and the word is charisma, which just means grace gifts. We know that grace is a gift from God. Grace itself is a work of God. And spiritual gifts are a charisma. They are grace gifts. They are gifts that are given to us by God supernaturally for the work of his kingdom. Pastor and author Sam Storms writes this about spiritual gifts. He says, a spiritual gift is when the Holy Spirit manifests his presence and imparts his power into and through individual believers to enable them to exceed the limitations of their finite humanity so that they might faithfully and effectively fulfill certain ministry tasks for the building up of the body of Christ. So the spiritual gifts of God are absolutely essential in the building up of the church, of the body of Christ. How many biblical spiritual gifts are there? Well, there's debate on that. There are at least around, in and around 21 spiritual gifts. We, we read of some of those in 1 Corinthians 12. And then further on down, Paul talks about some more in 1 Corinthians 12. We read about the gifts of the Spirit in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 13, Ephesians 4, and in 1 Peter 4 as well. And the list could go something like this. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, contributing or giving, leading, mercy, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, 
the discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, apostleship, helping, administrating, evangelism, pastoring, shepherding, pastoring, teaching. And as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, Paul says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. He says there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of, of workings, workings of power, but the same God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit united. We're united in the triune God, and He is at work in all of this. There are also different views of, of the gifts of the Spirit. And I think it's important that we acknowledge this this morning. It's a little bit like a dimmer switch in a dark room. The gifts of, of the Spirit can be viewed from one end of a spectrum um, all the way to the other end. And we all, if we're honest, we come from somewhere on this. Dan mentioned last week that he came from a Pentecostal background. Um, in this room, we perhaps come from different kinds of backgrounds to this. We bring different thoughts. We've read different things. We've heard different things. We've maybe experienced different things. And as Dan mentioned last week, there's at least sort of four categories of people when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. There are those who are really excited when it comes to this. There are those who want to carefully reflect, spend a long time reflecting theologically in God's Word on the gifts of the Spirit, which, by the way, is a very good thing to do. I want you always to do that. There are those who are really anxious, Dan mentioned last week. We get anxious sometimes when we think about things like this. And then there are some people who become really cynical or really skeptical for whatever reason when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. People do move along the spectrum. People who were once very cynical can become very excited. People who were once possibly very excited can sometimes become really cynical for whatever reason. And sometimes those who speak loudest tend to come from one end of the spectrum or the other. There are those who are really super excited who would come to me and say, yes, Stuart, go on, preach on it, preach on the gifts of the Spirit, let's see it happen in all of its full and colorful uh, array. And then there would be others who would say, hold on a minute, just hold far. Don't go there, that's weird. That's what makes us Christians really weird, all that kind of stuff. Don't go there. Rein it in, pastor, rein it in. It's all a bit weird. And those on one side of the spectrum, sadly at times, assume that if you're not here with them, then you must be way over there with some other grouping of people and vice versa. And then if we throw into the mix the awful association of the gifts of the Spirit with, with the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that's out there, things can become a whole lot more confusing for people. My advice, by the way, would be to ignore them altogether. Something else that's important to note, and it's important that we make note of this, godly men and women can and often do disagree in these things. That's okay. Very godly men and women disagree over issues like this. And the disagreement generally falls into two broad categories or groupings of people. There are those who, who might call themselves cessationists, those who believe that the sign gifts or the revelatory gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, tongues, things like that, ceased at the time of the apostles, that they're no longer in operation today. 
And then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got those who would be known as charismatics or continuists who believe that all of the gifts of the Spirit outlined in the Scriptures continue to be in operation today. Now, a little personal word from me on this. Um, I have very, very good friends on both sides of that spectrum. I do. And so I can relate to the pastor, listen to this, the pastor who describes how he sometimes feels at times. He said that he feels, stay with me in this, like the metaphorical child of metaphorical divorced theological parents. I'll say that again. He feels like the metaphorical child of metaphorical divorced theological parents. And he says it's like he goes around to one parent on some occasions and they're giving off about the other parent and they're saying, see those crazy charismatic people down in that church? Stay away from them. And, he's like, oh. and then he goes to the other parent and they're saying the same thing. Those boring cessationists, you know, who, who have no fun about them at all. And he says he's caught in the middle. But that pastor said something really important. He said that it should be totally possible that those two parents can come together and actually be united together in love under the name of Jesus. In growing, uh, in recent years, there's, there have been a growing number of, of Christians, and I've seen this, who say that they're neither of those things. They don't label themselves. They, they would refer to themselves as really open to the Spirit, but cautious in it all due to the bad press that's out there. Um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his work, The Sovereign Spirit, said this. I think this is really good. He said, we, we disagree with those who say that these things were confined to the apostolic period. And he said, we disagree equally with those who say that all these things should always be manifest in the church. We say that it is a matter for the sovereignty of the Spirit. And I think this is really important that we understand that that the Spirit of God is sovereign in what He does. He is the one at work. Our God is sovereign in every way. He is supernatural. He can do what He wishes. God is sovereign. I think it's important that we understand the sovereignty of the Spirit of God in all of this. That no one else is sovereign. No person is sovereign in the way that the Spirit of God is. And so we should therefore, I believe, always be open in mind and in heart to what God might want to do in us. Always willing to freshly contemplate how the Spirit of God might be working in our heart today. I wonder, are you open to His presence? Open to what the Spirit of God might want to do within your heart? You're maybe sitting thinking, hold up a moment. All this talk of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What about the gift of the Word of God? I'm with you on that. Hebrews chapter 4, just listen to this. Hebrews 4, 12 to 13. The author to the Hebrews writes, for the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts, the attitudes of the heart, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him before whom we must give account. The context of that portion of Scripture in the book of Hebrews, the context is that 
Um, up to this point, the author is giving a warning to the people of God. The author is making it really clear that the people of God have a tendency to hear the word of God, to hear what, what God might be saying to us, but not submit to it. That the people of God have a tendency to hear his word, but reject what God might be saying to us. And so this word comes through the author to say, the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. It judges our hearts. It lays us bare before God. In verse 7, the writer says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. The people of God right throughout the centuries have had a tendency to harden our hearts towards the things of God. This book is alive. Give me my Bible, Shane. I've got to hold it when I say this. This word is alive. Yeah? Sharper than two, uh, any two-edged sword. The Word is alive. The Word of God is active. It produces stuff and it does something in our hearts. Yeah, without this, we have nothing. The Word works. The Word pierces and penetrates to our innermost being. I want the Word of God to do that in my life. I want the Word of God to go to work in my heart. I love the Word. I believe the Word of God. I trust the Word of God. It lays me bare before my Heavenly Father. It is my supreme court of highest governing authority. But listen to this. I must acknowledge that it's this very Word of God that tells me that I must follow in the way of love and that I should eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Especially prophecy, writes Paul. It's the Word of God that tells us these things. It's the Word of God that speaks to us about what the Father wants us to know, how He wants us to live, that we should eagerly desire gifts from the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Bible that tells me that God will give the message of wisdom to some and a word of knowledge to another, all by means of the same Holy Spirit, and all for the common good. Don't we believe that God is at work for our good? It's for our common good that God speaks, that the Spirit of God gifts us and empowers us. It's for the good of God's people. So the Word of God is always paramount. We should be eagerly desiring to be a people full of the richness of the word of God, but you know me by now, we should also eagerly desire to be a people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled and being filled every single day, full of the word of God, full of the spirit of God. And when the word of God and the spirit of God come together, God works. God works in power. Things happen that we could never, ever do on our own. So we should eagerly, as Paul says, desire to operate in the way that God has gifted us the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe for some of you now, you're thinking of that, that moment in 1 Corinthians 13, 8 to 10, where Paul writes, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, Paul writes, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part will disappear. There's huge debate over that. What exactly does Paul mean in that moment? But my own personal conviction with what Paul is saying right there is that he is speaking of, of heaven. 
He's talking about eternal glory. The completeness that Paul is referring to is, is that completeness that will come one day when we stand before God in heaven. When we're with him, will there be any needs then or any need then for the gifts of the Spirit? No. There will be no more need to be, to be gifted to, to serve God and other people because we will be in his presence forever. Of course, those things will have ceased. We will be in completeness when completeness comes. And so I want to say this, until completeness comes, until completeness comes, I want to press into everything that God has for us here on earth. I want to know what it looks like to operate in the charisma, the grace, gifts that God has given to us. The need of the day is too great. We live in a world that is free-falling into eternal separation from God. The great need of the day is for a church who will be empowered by the Holy Spirit, who will acknowledge that God has gifted us, who will acknowledge that there is a day of completeness that will one day come. But now, while we're on earth, the need is too great. We need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to serve God, to use every gift that he's given us, to understand that there is power within the church, within the people of God, as we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We must lean into that. So how has God gifted you? I wonder, do you know? I wonder, do you know how God has gifted you? Make no mistake, we're talking about power when we talk about the spiritual gifts. Never a good word for a Northern Irish man to say, power. <laughs> Not like a four power on a golf course, it sounds like. It's power. There is power in the people of God because of the gifts of the Spirit that are within us. How has God gifted you? Let me read again. Sam Storm strongly points out that how we interact, this is for all of us, how we interact with our spiritual giftedness. He says it directly touches on the very mission of God, of the church, and how she lives out her calling, how we speak to the world, how we encounter the enemy, the expectations with which we minister to the broken and the wounded and the despairing are all bound up in how we answer the question, shall we or shall we not be the church of the Bible? Shall we or shall we not build the church up with the tools, the gifts that God has given to us? It's all in there. The world needs a church empowered by the Holy Spirit. So in case you're not aware, the Bible teaches that the gifts of the Spirit are available to all believers. It's not just for me. God has gifted you. God has gifted you by His Spirit. He has deposited into your life. When you came to faith in Jesus, God has gifted you. He's gifted you to serve Him, to serve those around you, to build up the church. Christians may have one or perhaps more gifts of the Spirit 2 Timothy 4 tells us that. The main purpose of the gifts of the Spirit is to build up, to edify the body of Christ. We need you to use your gifts to build up this church family and to serve and glorify God. So how has God gifted you? If that question causes you to stumble, then we want to hear from you. 
We want to help you to discover how God may have gifted you by his spirit. We need every believer serving God with the gifts that he has given us to build up the church. I wonder, do you feel empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak to the world about Jesus? I wonder, do you feel empowered by the Spirit of God to to push back the powers of darkness in this world to minister to those who are hurting and broken all around us? If the answer again is no, we want to help you with that. Come and speak to us. We might not have all the answers straight away, but we will journey with you into discovering how God may have gifted you. So as we come to a close, six quick principles I want to suggest um, for how, um, how we ought to go about using spiritual gifts as God has granted them to us. This is from a little primer that I read on the person and work of the Holy Spirit by a man called Winfield Bevins, and it's really helpful. He says, number one, the Spirit is sovereign. We said that already. Number one, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. The Spirit is the one who gives the gifts as he wills. Puritan John Owen put it this way. He says, he, the Holy Spirit, works sovereignly. The Holy Spirit distributes to everyone as he wills. He gives one gift to one person and another to another person. So the saints are kept in constant dependence on him and his sovereignty. Keeps us humble, doesn't it? Keeps us humble to know that the Spirit is sovereign. Secondly, gifts do not prove spirituality or super spirituality, okay? They don't church history and modern church history, by the way, has, has shown us how some people who, who looked like, like they had some kind of super spirituality, they, they fell away. It does not prove that. Gifts of the Spirit do not prove some kind of level of spirituality, not at all. Spiritual gifts do not prove authentic spiritual experience or maturity. The Corinthian church teaches us that. They had manifestations of the Spirit, but they lacked love. They lacked maturity, and they lacked any kind of holiness within the church. Gifts do not prove spirituality. Thirdly, gifts should be exercised under the authority of the church and for the building up of the body. As we go about identifying how God has gifted us and as we serve God, it ought to be within, within and under the, the leadership of a church family. God wants to build up his church. He wants to minister to this world through his church. And so as we exercise our gifts, we do so within the beautiful confines of the church family. Yes, we go. We go into the world. But we go from our local church. We go with um, the, the local church with us and behind us, connected to the body of Christ. Fourthly, we discern the gifts with wisdom. 1 John 4, verse 1, John writes, we should not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. It's a warning, isn't it? As your pastor, minister, I would say, don't be undiscerning with everything that you hear or see. Don't be blindly affirming of all that you read or all that you hear. Keep asking good questions like, is this in line with God's word? Is this the Holy Spirit at work in this? Is this gift being exercised in a way that is bringing about fruit of the Holy Spirit, like Dan 
talked about last week? Is it building up the church? Because if it's not building up the church, it could well not be from God. Fifthly, oh, I've changed the order around. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. John says the Spirit of truth will glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit, therefore, his gifts as well, never draw attention to himself, nor to the person exercising that particular spiritual gift. But the Holy Spirit will always seek to glorify the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. Remember, Paul said, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's all about Jesus. And then sixthly, we should be open to the work of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps this is the simple challenge for some of us today. To be open to how the Spirit of God may have gifted us. To be open to what he wants to do in our lives. To be open perhaps in a way that we never have been before. To be both open and discerning. To be open and discerning to what God might be doing within us. Wouldn't it be so tragic if we were to just say, I, I just don't want anything, I just don't want anything to do with the work of the Spirit of God in my life in a way that might take me beyond my comfort zone, in a way that might actually empower me in a way that I've never been empowered before. You know, I, I am desperate. I'm desperate for a mighty move of God in our day. I'm desperate. I always have been, by the way. Since I put my trust in Jesus, I've always been desperate to see this broken world come to know Jesus. Desperate. I believe so much in this. I believe so much in what God is doing in our world. I believe that God has a life that is greater than any other life for us to live. I believe that when Jesus said, I've come to give life and bring life in all of its fullness, that he meant it. I'm desperate to live that life. I'm desperate to see other people come to know life in all of its fullness. And so therefore, I'm desperate for the Holy Spirit to move. I'm desperate for a church to be empowered by the Spirit of God, people understanding how God has gifted them, released to serve God in this world, to bring the kingdom to come in all places, among all people, all around us. We need all the power that we can get. Amen? Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray. The worship team are going to lead us in song in a moment. Let's just come before God in prayer, and then we'll, we'll sing together. Heavenly Father, we bow in your holy presence. We pray that we would never, as your people, be found guilty of quenching your Spirit's desired presence 
and activity in our lives. We thank you for your holy word, your word that penetrates our hearts, your word that lays us bare before you, God, your word that teaches us how to walk in the way of Jesus. But Father, we also thank you for the gift of your spirit, the one who has come to dwell within us, to bring the holy presence of God to reside within those who follow Jesus, your spirit who has gifted each of us to serve you, God, in this world, to build up your church, to bring the good news of Jesus to a lost and dying world. We thank you for the gift of your word and the gift of your spirit. Increase within us, God, we pray, a desire to be used as vessels for the display of your power and your glory. Make us increasingly willing to discover and use all of the grace gifts of your spirit that you have given to us. And may your kingdom come among us today in power. And may your will be done on, among us here in a beautiful display of your splendor and your glory. And so pour out your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.